As we go to God in prayer this morning, uh, many of you uh, know about uh, little Elizabeth Drawn. She had her surgery this past week on uh, Thursday. The surgery lasted about four and a half hours, went very well. Uh, she's been a pretty miserable patient these last several days, as you might guess. She has feeling in her legs that she has not experienced before from this surgery that was done to her. And um, it is just a whole different situation in that regard. Uh, they are hoping that uh, tomorrow afternoon they will be ready to come back from St. Louis to home here in Germantown. So I ask your continued prayers. Elizabeth now faces a year of intensive therapy to help her to try to learn to walk. So uh, again, ask your prayers for Elizabeth Drawn and her family. Also, uh, just calling your attention to, to some others we, that are there in your announcements regarding things. Be in prayer for Dr. Ed Knox. He is, I believe, at the end of this week or the first part of next week, is having to decide whether or not to have heart valve surgery. And um, he is hesitant about it, as you might guess. So, but he's also having difficulty uh, with his energy, with breathing, with talking even. He can barely utter a whisper and so all of this is kind of related to the heart issue and so please be in prayer for Dr. Knox as that is a, uh, a serious decision that he needs to to make in the next week or so then I would uh, just encourage you to be in prayer now especially for the administrators of our various school systems in the metropolitan area as they begin to really make decisions about how to restart education. And uh, what we have seen so far coming out from the various districts is some are delaying starting, some are going to start the first week of, of August, but nobody knows exactly what that means yet. So not only for the administrators, but the teachers and all the folks who work in the schools, the parents and their children, the one thing that has been pretty well figured out is parents, by an overwhelming majority, want their children to go back to school and not just have uh, virtual learning, but the great majority want them to go back to school. So all that is being working, worked out in the next several weeks, as, as you might guess. So I think that if you really want something to be in prayer about, uh, be in prayer about that. So many other things. I know that many of you have your own concerns and matters in your hearts. I invite you now as we bow our heads to bring those before the Lord our God. Let us pray.
O gracious Lord, in the silence of these moments, each of us lifts up to you our concerns, those things that are weighing on our minds and heavy on our hearts. Help us, O Lord, in this time to always bring before you those things that burden us. So hear all these prayers from each and every person here this day. And as I come before you, Lord, to pray for us as a congregation, we pray and give thanks for the successful surgery that Elizabeth Drawn had this past Thursday, for your presence and your healing hand that is upon her. We pray, O oh Lord, now that you would continue to strengthen her little body and her legs, and that in the days and months, even the year to come, that you would strengthen her to the point that she will be able to walk. We pray, and we pray for her family this day that is struggling with her being in the hospital and trying to help her as much as they can. Be with them all, and when they come home tomorrow, grant them a safe journey. We pray for your great servant, Dr. Ed Knox, who faces this choice about surgery and Lord, we just pray that you, whatever his decision is, you give Dr. Knox just a piece about it. He seeks your will always. He knows you're holding him in, in your everlasting arms. So I pray for him and for his family as they encourage him and as they decide what is best to do. We continue to pray for our metropolitan area where we see the number of cases of the virus continue to go up. We see the numbers of deaths going up. We see the hospitals filling up. And so, mighty God, we pray that you would help us and remind us of all to do the things that help protect one another from this illness. Continue to guide those scientists and doctors and researchers who are looking for vaccines. And we pray, O oh Lord, that as that work continues, that you will make it fruitful. And before too many more months, we will have a vaccine that will help people. We pray these things. We come to you, mighty God, and we pray for other matters around the world. The illness is, is crippling many countries, South America especially, Brazil especially. But we also see it causing havoc in Africa, in India, in other parts of the Far East and the Middle East. So Lord, help us all. Let us, let us turn to you and call upon your name that you might heal your people. Now, mighty God, we pray that you hear these, our prayers today, those spoken and those made. And now together we add the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And we now say, as they did, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I'm continuing now this little series of sermons from the book of Psalms. Last week, Psalm 73. This week, Psalm 74. And it is a, a psalm of 24 verses, and it has its different little sections. But I'm going to ask you to, as we read it, as I read it and you follow along, I'm going to ask you to try to listen not just to the specific things, but sort of the tone of the psalm and what it is that the psalmist is really trying to deal with. So listen to that as I read to us Psalm 74. Why? Why have you rejected us forever, O God? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the people you purchased of old, the tribe of your inheritance, whom you redeemed, Mount Zion, where you dwelt. Turn your steps towards these everlasting ruins. All this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Your foes roared in the place where you met with us. They set up their standards as signs. They behaved like men wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. They smashed all the carved paneling with their axes and hatchets. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in their hearts, we will crush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. We are given no miraculous signs. No prophets are left. And none of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, O God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. But you, O God, are my king from of old. You bring salvation upon the earth. 
It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monsters in the water. It was you who crushed the heads of the Leviathan and gave him as food to the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up springs and streams and dried up ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours and yours also the night. You established the sun and the moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Remember how the enemy has mocked you, O Lord. How foolish people have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. Have you regard for your covenant? Because haunts of violence fill the dark places of the land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word from the 74th Psalm. This psalm was written after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the sacking of the city and the elimination of the country of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of, at that time, the Assyrians, the people of modern-day Iraq, or the ancestors today of modern-day Iraq. They had come in, they had destroyed everything. They had taken down the city walls, they had burned the buildings, and then they had destroyed the very temple of God, the temple that Solomon had made, the temple that was erected with the finest craftsmen of its ages and dedicated to the worship of God. They had done all of this. And in doing all of this, we read where the psalmist says he's trying to make sense of if God is the almighty God and the sovereign God over all things, the creator and sustainer of all that is, why in the world has this happened to his people, to his temple, to the things that he claimed to be his own. He was trying to make, if you will, sense of what had happened and what was happening. Was God forgetting his people? Was God just being quiet and removed and no longer cared about what had happened? And certainly, that would have been the feeling that many of the people 
of Israel, the people of Judea would have had at that time for those who even survived. There are times when in our lives we begin to try to figure out because of certain events that happen to us, we try to make sense of them somehow. And somehow in making sense we get angry, somehow we get depressed, sometimes we get just melancholy, sometimes we get to the point of looking in and saying, I have no answers. And perhaps this is where the psalmist is. I have no answers about what is going on. I still believe in God, but I cannot see evidence of what God is doing when I see his temple destroyed, the great cedar panels from the cedars of Lebanon that were carved and placed on the walls of the inner temple being destroyed by axes and hatchets to be burned. He couldn't make sense. You know, sometimes in our lives as an individual, sometimes as families, sometimes as communities, sometimes as states, sometimes as nations, and sometimes even as the world, things happen that seem beyond our understanding and beyond our full control, as if we had control. And it becomes difficult to begin to put those things into a perspective. How does that work in with how I view life, how I view the world, what I think is right and what I think is wrong? How do all these things? Why did God let this happen? Many, many different things that come to us as we are dealing with with what is going on around us. How many of us have ever had what I would describe as chaos training? Chaos training, what do I mean? Well, let me give you an example. In 19, uh, the summer of 1983, uh, I dropped my wife Terry off at Columbia Theological Seminary in the apartment there at the basement of the dormitory and I drove up to New London, Connecticut on a, up to Providence, Rhode Island then to Newport where the Navy has a base to begin officer training part of my training to be a chaplain in the Navy and we went through it, you know, a lot of book training, a lot of things, different things. But there was also a lot of other training. There was training about being on ship. There was training about being with the Marines. There was training about being with the Coast Guard. But one of the trainings that we had as uh, chaplains on a ship was to learn about the aspects of damage control. And the way that they taught that is they showed you a bunch of films and after you saw these films you were like, I don't ever want to be on a ship. Not ever. And then uh, to give you some practical training, 
they had this training device called the USS Buttercup. Sounds like a pretty kind name, Buttercup. And a group of 20 people would be taken into this simulator and they said, now you're gonna learn how to patch like a break in the hull or a major burst in pipes or damage that was caused by an explosion or torpedo. And you've got to learn how to do this and you're the officer in charge and it's up to you to keep the ship from sinking. And I said, now how are they gonna do this? And so there we were, 20 of us down there in the bottom and there began smoke filling and the lights began to fl flicker back and forth and then went out and then the emergency red lights came on. And then water, water started filling this simulator. And I'm not talking about a couple of inches. When it got to my waist, I began to be concerned. And we had to find where the main water leak was coming in. And it was a hole inside of the hull. And we were required to patch that using block and tackle and mattresses and other things. And we went and did that. But the water kept rising. And at one point, there had to be decisions. Somebody has to go underwater here and secure the base of this block and tackle so that we can plug that hole. And it was me. And the water was coming right in off the bay. The water was mm, 50 degrees. It was a warm summer. And there, no goggles, eyes open, oil in the water, trying to figure out how in the world to set this base so that we could set the timber so that we could block the hole. Well, we set it, but we all drowned. Uh, we could not end up plugging the leak. And so they stopped the simulation and pulled us out. But it is right there in the midst of that where you can't hardly tell what is going on that everything that you imagined is just completely wiped away and all you're trying to do is to save yourself and those with you and everything else is just out the door and there is great chaos that order can come out of if those who are doing the repair have been trained and know what they're doing. It happens. We find this in life. You walk into a doctor's office and he says, sit down, we need to talk about something, and then tells you that you have cancer. And then all of a sudden, your life is transformed. Everything that you were thinking about before is all of a sudden thrown up into a mess and you are sitting there trying your best to figure out, well, what does this mean? I've got to get things in order. What kind of treatments? What will I do? It's just one of those moments where everything in life just kind of passes you by. 
and you're completely focused then on something you didn't even think about that morning before you went to the doctor. And other times, the loss of employment can be like that. The breakup of a marriage can be like that. The raising of children and a child, a teenager who may get in trouble, life can be like that. A pandemic that rages around the world and causes everything to be different can be like that. The worship of God, where it is limited, it is, how shall I say, enclosed, boxed. We deal with things that we weren't expecting to deal with. And so our brains, our minds, our hearts, our souls, we begin to try somehow, because that's the kind of creatures that God made us, we begin to try to make sense of what is going on and how we can fit our lives into it and still live our lives. And this is what the psalmist is talking about. Look at everything that has happened. We're not even a people anymore. We're captives. We, we've seen our cities, our towns, the temple all gone. You've forgotten us. And sometimes it is as if life treats us that God has just somehow forgotten us. Why don't you take your wrath out against those who are destroying your people, who are doing harm? Why don't you come and visit them with your destruction? We, even Christians, we want right, we want revenge, even though revenge is not the gospel. We get angry, we get mad, we get upset. We don't know what is happening. And then we see all this and we see some out there mocking the church, wanting to destroy the church, wanting to do away with the faith altogether. And how can God let this happen? Trying to make sense of it. But even the psalmist, in his lamenting, in his raving here, in his questioning here, even there, he remembers who God is. Verse 12, but you, O God, are my king from of old. You bring salvation upon the earth. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monsters in the waters. And on and on, remembering what it is that God has done and whom God is. And knowing that God is able to deal with all of this in a way that we can't even scarcely begin to realize or to imagine. 
The day is yours, the night. You established the sun and the moon, the psalmist says. You set the boundaries of the earth. You made the seasons. All these things. But this is what I see happening in my life before me. I see cities in unrest. I see hospitals filled I see people out of work. I see the foundations of the country being torn down and shaken. I see people leaving the church. I see people not wanting to do what is good and right. Where? Why aren't you doing something? Trying to make sense of what is happening. I can remember my dad telling me when I was a teenager that sometimes are good and sometimes aren't. I didn't have a clue what he was really talking about. I do now, and it's a reminder for us, for those younger than us, that there are times of good, and then there are times of evil, times of difficulty. But good times can return, and God is able to do things, even when it appears to us that he is not. So we have this time, and it's going to continue, where we're trying to figure out, trying to make sense of what is happening. Well, the psalmist does. There are many other psalms like this one throughout the book of Psalms, where they're trying to make sense of things and why things happened and why are they happening. And in the end, in the end, there is the question of faith. Faith is trust in God. Faith is belief in his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, who shed his blood for us, who was raised for us. We have faith even in a time that is without faith. We have belief that God's will will be accomplished even when we see that will being flaunted and disobeyed. We have faith that God's purposes will be worked out even when we see all these things that seemingly contradict the purposes of God. This is what we learn from the scripture, from the Psalms like this, that there are even times when we wonder, does God not care? The answer to that is, Yes, God does care. God will accomplish his purposes. 
God will carry out his will. And we can take strength, even if we don't see it in this time in our lives. We can take strength and we can have our faith secure, even increased by the knowledge and the understanding that nothing can thwart the power, the purposes, and the will of Almighty God. The psalmist was dealing with his time. We are dealing with ours. And thanks be to God that we serve a living God who is able and who can make all things even new. Amen.